Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Ahoy and welcome to Always There, the Howard's Way podcast. I'm Julia Rayside. Thank you for joining me as I navigate through every single episode of the 1980s seafaring soap opera set in the fictional English coastal town of Tarrant. It would be a lonely voyage without you. Joining me today to discuss series three, episode one, and I'm sorry it took us so long, is one of my favourite screenwriters. It's Sarah Phelps! Hello! <laughs> Hi, Phelps. How are you? Hello. Pipe me aboard. No, I'm so, I am so honoured to have you aboard. It is a dream come true, genuinely. <laughs> and you, you listen to this podcast. You actually listen to it, don't I, you? I actually listen to this podcast and enjoy it very much. And I've become slightly obsessed, not with Howard's Way so much, as with your version of Howard's Way. That's oh. what I've become obsessed with, like just hearing people talking about it. Don't I don't know how that works, but <laughs> until today, or until like a couple of days ago, I genuinely never watched an episode. That's am- that's amazing. So I was going to ask you because I I don't know how this works either. But lots of people have said that they've listened to the podcast but never seen Howard's Way. No, never. And it was always like the, the music is really familiar because, yeah. you, it, you know, it's so familiar. And even if you don't watch it, everybody knew who Ken Masters was and everybody knew who Jan Harvey was because it was just like, you know, it's just like the sex coming off the screen. Tell and me everybody, about it. And everybody knew that theme music. And I'd hear this, you know, because when all this was going on in the 80s, I was a groom. I worked with horses. So some days when Howard Way was broadcast, it's a big day in polo. That's when you have oh. all your tournaments. And so I'd have started the day really early like sort of like half past five in the morning if I'd gone to bed because that was who I was back then yeah and I'd have taken all the horses over to their tournament done all the games done all the tournaments brought the horses back patched them up put them to bed and gone around to my boyfriends and we'd be upstairs and his mum would be downstairs watching Howard's Way so Howard the theme tune has <laughs> always got this association with me with this fairly sort of bog standard degradation that young people in the early 80s enjoyed ah. <laughs> so it's really it's like a kind of Proustian Madeleine in in you know 
Mm-hmm. And just think, yeah. oh, I know exactly what I was doing. It's and music it was, through the banisters. You just get an It was a vague music impression. through the banisters, but I yeah. know what I was doing and all of it was bad. Amazing. Where were you? Were you in this country? Yeah, I was in this country and I was in, uh, I worked for Ham Polo Club, which is, wow. I'd ride around Richmond Park without a hat because I really fancied myself. Crazy. Sort of riding, riding one pony and leading kind of three or four off it. And it was what a way to live. I love it. Amazing. Yeah. It was an interesting way to experience the 80s from, you know, like Howard Square is all about status and, you know, wealth and the yachts and everything else and, and polar ponies. If you ever get bored of, you know, there was that Steve Martin thing, like cocaine is, is it Steve, um, or was it Robin William, cocaine is God's way of telling you you've got too much money. <laughs> yes. Equally, <laughs> equally yachts and polar ponies. And polo and ponies, actually. Gerard Glaster yeah. went on to make Trainer after Howard's Way, which was his horse thoroughbred like based yeah, TV show. I remember, I, that, that, I remember that as well because Susanna mm. York was in it. Aha. Uh-huh. Howard's Way for you is like, this is this is a recent discussion. You haven't been like a fan since the 80s. You've just it been was, vaguely no, aware. No, vaguely aware because of the music and because of the sort of like the faces that you couldn't escape. And then I started listening to your podcast just because obviously I think you're great. And because Yay. it was so much fun. <laughs> and it was, it was fun talking, you know, the whole thing. because And as well, it's about making long running television. And I love right. long running television and because the work that goes into it and the sets and how you keep those stories going and the the kind of cliches of where you are in the world, which is, you know, you kept going on about Polly's um, cocktails would never have any ice in them. Never. Think, yeah, I, I, it's just something I recognise that really charmed <laughs> me from having worked on a soap and written a soap for a long time to then listening to people talking about it and thinking about, yeah, I can understand exactly how that bit's made and how that bit's, it's, it just charmed me. So yeah, Aww. anyway. We're delighted you've actually come aboard the ship now. We have to remind people where we are. So this is series three. We've had two glorious series. Series three, episode one. A and lot has happened. So much has happened. So Claude, the French fashion designer, has been mown down by a speedboat and he is dead. Claude's violent death. And for yeah. some reason, I keep thinking he was decapitated. Let's say know. he was. I don't know. We didn't see the body. We, don't we know. didn't see the body or anything else, which in EastEnders terms mean you can bring him back. Nobody oh, saw I the body. see. You yes, know, that's nobody, true. You, you can actually bring him back. But so um, this whirlwind romance with Lynn, oh. after some terrible times, she falls in love. Uh, Jan's got a great line of clothes. And then Claude is macerated by a catamaran (laughs) and it's all over. There's blood in the water. There's no more clothing lines. This is a long shadow, a very long shadow. But joining Claude's long shadow is an equally long shadow. Uh Uh-oh. Sir Edward. (gasps) Right. So he arrives in his private freaking jets. Like, I don't know if they just happened to be at the airport looking for one or if they actually got one to land. They actually got one. And I thought, now this is one hell of an opening because we're beginning. And here comes Nigel Davenport, who is also such a face of the 80s. Slight interesting thing going on with the eye, but you know that there's (laughs) something. He's a a rogue. He walks with a stick, but he's suave as fuck. He is suave as fuck. You know he's a fucking menace. He's a menace to everyone. He's suave, he's dirty. But who is this enigmatic stranger? Right. And so we, you know, and what I loved about this, which is when you work on sets and you've got like, you've got like very established sets and you might have some established locations. But nonetheless, like having an exterior like an airport, it's a big deal. It's just such yeah. a big deal. And what I love about Howard's Square is they really like to get their money's worth so you can have a 
pointlessly long <laughs> shot of a private jet coming in and taxiing to land <laughs> while another kind of enigmatic uh, man is uh, silver silver hair wearing a pork pie hat and and this guy is kind of like sir edward's factotum right he looks like a flasher and every time every time he was on the screen I thought this is a great role for Norbert Smith this is what Norbert Smith would have been playing it's his perfect perfect role and it goes on and on and on and what I was this this I felt was very much the episode of the pointless double take because (laughs) uh, you know Sir Edward you know like gets out with all these bang and scraping from all these attendants and he looks around for his factotum who he was obviously meant to be there. Yeah. He was obviously meant to be there. Obviously meant, and he just goes, oh, there you are. As though, <laughs> it's, a, as though it's a complete surprise. But it's a great way of, you know, of It's a good way of introducing, yeah. Here's a man and he's going to be nothing but hot trouble. Woohoo! <laughs> sold at breakfast time, but who is he? And yeah, would like, this, at this point, Phelps, I have to ask, would you? Would you have? Would you? Yeah, of course I would. Yeah, me too. Of course I would. Totally. I'll tell you why, because he's got that Squire Mallon thing going on. Yeah. Which is, you know, and a Mallon's, now that was a series. But the, the whole point is he's got that, you just think, you know, you've got a private jet. That's not yeah. something that works for me. But the fact that you look like a menace and you probably got an amazing wine cellar, that does work for me. <laughs> the, the, you had me at wine cellar. Totally. You he's probably got me more than wine one. Cellar. Totally. Yeah, he's got them everywhere. And he's been away into like, oh, he got tempted back and the Bahamas was lovely and especially the fairways. Mm, and you just, you know, all oh, right, you're golfing. Yeah. You're golfing all around the world. You didn't come here to play. No. <laughs> no, no, no. He's put the club down. So then we cut to the flying fish, obviously the star of the show, the best place yeah, in okay, current. So this is this is the flying fish. Mm. So what's the barracuda? I'm confused. Okay, so the flying fish is like the Howard family's own yacht that they had to sell quite early on in series one uh, because um, Tom's career was foundering and they needed money. So oh, right. the flying fish was so, bought and then they, by and then they got it back. Well, I think Avril still owns it technically, but only Tom ever takes it out, I think, now. And there, and meanwhile, the Barracuda is the new boat that Tom has designed oh, that is right. now going okay. to be manufactured. So I've forgotten about the, the flying yeah. fish. I've, I've written down in my notes, I've written BOAT in massive capitals. <laughs> well, then, and so a, you should. <laughs> but the other thing is, is that we now go into something else that I find totally fascinating, which is Tom is basically, he's slumped. He's slumped. He doesn't care and Leo is steering the boat. And yeah. Leo, Leo wants, he's just always trying to keep his dad out. And I feel like Tom has been brutalised, not so much by Claude's death, but and he hates Claude. If Claude hadn't died, Lynn would still be here. Exactly. And we established that she's gone away because she can't she's deal with got, her she grief. Can't, she can't yeah. deal with it. She can't yeah. deal with her grief. And, and I think that Tom is basically full of bitter resentment that this stupid man who got in the way of a powerful boat Mm. has meant that his daughter's left. And you've got poor Leo steering the boat, trying to keep his dad's spirits up. And his dad's oh. like, yeah, what do I care? Oh, you're the dear. best boat designer in the world, Dad. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. And it's just like, it's, you know, poor Leo makes these doomed sallies to sort of try and get his parents to love him. And they literally don't give a shit, do they? Uh, no, they really don't seem to. And he just, he's always fighting for affection, which explains what he does later on in the next episode. But we won't get there yet. And then we see, well, anyway, mm. just don't, don't trust naughty waitresses from Hello Hello is all I've got to say there. But anyway, we'll, we'll come to her. Um, Lordy. Then, then we briefly see Jan looking in through the window of a department store at Claude Dupont's last collection. Claude exactly Dupont's last. last collection. And what yeah. I really loved was the store wasn't even 80s. The storefront was so <laughs> 70s. It was yes. plumbers. 
And even that kind of retro slanted blocks. And I got really obsessed with all the tiny details. Like the font. This is, oh. oh, this is this reminds me of the shopping centres of my youth. And yeah, it's just there's something slightly pissy. It doesn't matter that Claude Dupont's last collection is in the windows. There's something slightly sleazy about I that. I know. Oh. I think it's Southampton plumbers. I think it's those city centres that were bombed quite heavily. So you're yeah. looking at town planning from like the 1950s and 60s, mostly 60s, when it finally got rebuilt. And it, yes, it's, there's something very unpretty about it. And sort very of, un- oh. Very unpretty. And you just sort of think all the little alcoves are going to smell of fags and urine. Fags and, and piss. Fags and piss. Fags and piss. The, the, the beautiful, beautiful, redolent perfume of the early 80s. <laughs> Speaking as one who lived in it. England, yeah, me too. So yeah. she looks at the collection wistfully and then she's obviously going into the department store to try and negotiate for... I don't know what she's negotiating for because she know, hasn't got anyone I, to design her clothes. But uh. she, I don't know. But also, everything is sort of like, it's very business, this episode. It's like lots of really heavy business for no oh, hell business yes. reasons. It's just yeah. business all the time. And can we just talk about Jan Harvey's amazing hair? It yes. just defies gravity. It's it's like a sort of snapshot of a, a radioactivity. It's it's incredible. It sort of goes up and out, and it's just it's held in perfect suspension. She's yeah. amazing, by the way. I love her. She's so good. Well, you know, you're you're technically you're sitting in her warm chair because she did the last episode of the Woo-hoo. last series of Always There. So she and she did say I can't remember which series. I always forget. My memory's terrible. But after a while, she got sick of having that hair and that tall hairspray look thing. So she got someone to make her a wig or several wigs. And she says, and I quote, I still keep Jan in a drawer if I ever feel like getting her out. Oh, I know, I know, I know right? I just want to think about that for a while. I'm, I'm, I'm just, oof. I, I mean, I, you, I just, you've recently hacked off all of your hair. You could borrow Jan and cosplay as Jan borrow, if you wanted to. I could, I could borrow Jan. I'm just sort of imagining Jan's hair on my enormous shovel head. And I, <laughs> I think it would look think, awesome. I think it would look awesome. I'd, I'd look like my... No, I wouldn't actually. I wouldn't look like my teenage self, but um, we all wanted <laughs> hair that defied gravity. What did you anyway, have? So, what was your What was your big teenage? Oh look? my god! Well, my big teenage thing was I had at one point really, really cropped hair, and then I, when I grew it, I'd do it with crazy colour, and it was like orange and pillar box mm. red and aubergine and. I once had to go to hospital for an exploding appendix. And as I've been wheeled into emergency surgery, I heard one of the theatre nurses go, look at her hair. <laughs> 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 like, uh, uh, bloody I'm hell. Going to, I'm going to die. <laughs> oh, no. Don't look at my hair. Save my life. Don't save my life. Get this rotting thing out of me. <laughs> and now we're um, clapping for these people. Oh, why, I ask you. Why? Yeah, why? You just want <laughs> anyway, hair. Anyway, now anyway, we have to go one. to... Go on. So we're going to Leisure Cruise now. Ken, Lucius Fark. All right, Lucius Fark, mm-hmm. looking like he's just rolled out of somebody's seamed, rotting sheets. <laughs> nice. uh, probably his own. And I'm obsessed with the decor in Ken's that office. office. Yeah. Because there's a kind of red and black diagonal, you know, uh, yeah. sort of chevron thing going on. Yeah. And it's just, a, it, it looks awful. My brother had a duvet cover in that pattern. My brother had that duvet cover as well. Oh, my God. And the whole bedroom was painted to go with it. Grey walls, the red stripe going yeah, along the, the re- middle. Oh, oh, no. So, anyway, nice. Ken, what, what is his business called? Pleasure Cruise. Leisure Cruise. Although I imagine he calls it Pleasure <laughs> Cruise when he's no. trying to sell it to Leisure for pleasure. <laughs> And it's, it, it looks very, very seamy. And 
he was doing lots of sort of business and I couldn't quite understand what was going on with him and Sarah. What's Sarah's Sub- husband called? Subject. So Mark Cuckold Foster, her husband. Oh, uh, <laughs> yes. I know that he knows. He's, he's such a cuckold. The yeah. horns are raw. And, and he that knows story it. is going down a very dark alley in the not too distant future. I won't spoil oh, it for so you, excited. but holy wow. Um, but yeah, so I'm she and so... Ken, are, I think they're fooling around. They've been fooling around because Ken's done some yeah. business in an unorthodox way and there's a lot of sexy subtext and there's a yeah. lot of unorthodoxy and mm-hmm. uh then he's managed to get tickets to i don't know a sort of finger buffet at the boat show, the boat show. It's, it's the exclusive and, private and, launch and party she's, exclusive. and she's really kind of shocked but you know but not shocked because she why would she expect anything other than ken masters but to get his long fingers into places where they shouldn't be matron <laughs> Mrs. and anyway he um sort of bends over her and and they're doing their sexy subtext thing yeah and the husband walks in mm-hmm. and she and, and and sarah says well i was just congratulating ken on his unorthodox business uh, things <laughs> well I, you know his tongue was in my ear i was just his, admiring uh, his long fingers <laughs> i was just admiring his long fingers as they plucked at my lingerie anyway, <laughs> so it's all going on in there and you can sense it there's this sort of blistering resentment from mark the cuckold and he's just has to turn sideways so he can get in the door with his cuckold's horns yes he's so um, impotent it's unbelievable he doesn't ever say are you shagging he, my wife he just doesn't he knows he doesn't do anything he doesn't no. do anything at all he just looks really resentful and every now and again he sort of like gets really angry about ethics and don't you tell me what to think but he doesn't sort of land a punch on ken and no, for that ken is wiry you sort of think that he you know a good punch might take him down but i think he's got anything. low self-esteem sarah do you think he has do you think, <laughs> think he's so. or do you think he likes it I Ooh. think he quite likes it. Okay, that's a very I, Phelps reading of the situation. If I, I think he likes it, and I think he gets a frisson oh. of of pleasure. And maybe, maybe this may be too much for your regular, <laughs> but maybe there's a little twitching of the man acorn of the man nubbin at the okay. thought that he might walk in on them and they <gasps> might not notice him, and he might really see something. I Do you think, think he'd just stand and watch really quietly? I think he. I think he would station himself behind the pot plants and I think he'd watch. So he could be really, really angry, but at the same time aroused. And then he could be angry that he's aroused. And it's a kind of perfect storm. My question would be, is who... Does he want to see more? Does he want to see Ken or does he want to see Sarah? I think you're onto something there. I don't think he knows, but I think you might be onto something there. It's and he could, you could charge quite a lot for your psychotherapy, quite frankly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll leave them there, the cuckold and the cuckold. Let's leave them there. Let's leave them there. Yeah. And they're really, really uncomfortable. Nest kind of, of vipers. Nest of vipers. <laughs> nest of weirdness. Then anyway, we get to so Perry Plus, where... Um, Polly is insensitively, she's buying some more of Claude's designs while saying, there aren't going to be any more, are they? She's buying all of Claude's designs. Yeah, she's she's buying buying everything. And she's basically, oh, just in case I've missed something. And she's trying to dig the gossip. Mm -hmm. She's trying to sort of winkle out all the ugly details of basically, oh, poor Claude, did you find his head? Oh, poor Lynn, (laughs) how's she going to cope? And Dulcie is being, her name's, her character name's Kate, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Dulcie Gray, the one. Kate, played by beautiful Dulcie Grey is being very kind of I've got your number lady you ain't getting shit off of me 
yeah. me. She is very evasive. And at the same time, if Polly didn't have the hide of a rhino, then Polly would be getting the message. But Polly does have the hide of the rhino. As she has this phrase, one of my favourite haunts on the Adriatic. <laughs> oh, how lovely. But and then she goes sailing off to buy more clothes. And you can just feel Kate just thinking, oh, why didn't you just fuck off, you dreadful old lush? <laughs> yeah, she's not fond of her, I don't think. Oh, her daughter's best yeah, friend, but she can't stand I mean, I, I love her. There's a lot of, you know, designer jeopardy. And also, you know, I mean, like Kate knows that Polly would love for Jan to fail. Yeah, do you think so? Because, yeah, absolutely, because Polly can always go, oh, I just bought everything. I just wanted to support a friend, you know. I just did everything I could to support. And play Lady oh, sad, yes, because she, you know, later on, she, I mean, she hasn't really got anything in her life. And here's Jan, Thanks. basically, getting her shit together, living out large. Damn, she feels like a woman. And I think that Polly, what Polly wants is for Jan to be broken and lonely and yeah. unwanted and, and unneeded and untouched. So she'll have somebody to keep her company while she drinks. Yeah, you're right. They used to have boozy girly lunches and they haven't had one of those since series one. Yeah. Hey, Jan yeah. hasn't got time for this. No. Jan hasn't got And busy. also, also, Jan wants to think about the dehydrating effects of iceless cocktails. <laughs> On the more mature skin. And I know about this. Oh, God, tell me about it. Yeah, yeah so well, like, much well, makeup. The lighting that I've got coming through the window is not kind to my face. I look like a heap of dried leaves. You look beautiful. Shut up. Anyway, yeah, so we shut have a, up. We, you know, we, we can't. It's a podcast. The opposite of what we need to do. And then <laughs> so, we go yeah, to we, briefly to the department store where Jan is just basically told what we already know. You do need to find a new fashion designer if you're going to keep on making clothes. I know, but you'd kind of think that Jan would have worked that out. It's just like, yeah. this is all I've got. It's all I've yeah. got. Well, we might need more than a few smocks. It's just like, yeah. oh, God. Oh, we'll pay oh, you God. for thin air then. <laughs> yeah. No problem. Damn. Anyway, so that's, plumbers. So that's dealt with fairly quickly. But yes, that's plumbers fairly quickly. But, plum- but plumbers have really let Jan down. Hello, my name is Pete Ellison. This is Dave Cribb. Hello, and we do a podcast called Friends with Friends, as you might have guessed from the music that's playing underneath, uh, which is a sort of lo-fi rendition of the Friends theme tune for rights reasons. We get a different guest on every week on our podcast to talk about their favourite episode of Friends. And we look through it in excruciating detail. We pick through levels of plot like no one has ever done before. So if you like Friends or just listening to people talking, which are both valid activities, do look us up on the old podcast app and that friends with friends and we're on twitter at friends wf mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, Contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's Avril, managing oh. director. Now, I just need to do a recap. Avril is Jack's daughter. Jack yep. is slightly, you know, the salty sea dog. The recalcitrant was, one, yes. Yeah, she was Tom's girlfriend. She was having sex they with had, Tom Howard. They had a bit of an affair, yeah. They had a bit of an affair. But also, Charles Frere had an affair with Avril. Predating the Tom and Avril affair was... Predating yeah, all of that. So basically, her, her Charles, Frere. Charles Frere has been with everybody except Polly and Dulcie Gray. I think he had a thing with Polly at university. Oh, my God. They might have done it. Of course they'd done it. He's Abby's father. Oh, my God. <laughs> Boom. That was like a major plot of last series and people are now listening going, <laughs> Julia, you're off your games. Like, I'm sorry, I haven't done this for a while. Haven't I'm done this for a while. I'm getting it's, back it's into this wing start. Here she comes. Avril, the managing director, and seeing Charles Frere's car there and basically walking in. And Avril's got a particular management style, which is ever so slightly, I've just dropped some tomazepam and absolutely <laughs> nothing can touch me. And everything is extremely significant. Like she walks in and there's a, well, they're just trying to unmold a hull. Perhaps you should go and see why they can't unmold it. And he sort of goes... <laughs> And then there's this real tit-for-tat conversation with Charles Frere, the subtext of which is, I want to rip your clothes off. I want you to humiliate yeah. me. I want you to ruin me at molecular level. <laughs> but, instead, <laughs> but instead, it's all about, well, who's late and who's early? I was meant to be in Southampton yeah. at the boat show and I came back for my report. Report clearly meaning, oh, it could mean a, a variety of humiliating things, but that's what they mean. <laughs> and anyway, Charles Frere, who's Tony Anko, very, you know, is it Anko or Anhol? remember oh and holt yeah he's a good looking man and avril is a beautiful woman and it makes no sense for them to be standing amidst fiberglass makes no no sense and what i really enjoy as well is the kind of like the secondary characters in the scene who are all men in polyester suits with really ill-advised moustaches and i oh oh, oh, it's fantastic so anyway they have a lot of those just a catalogue of them oh there's a huge yeah they're just business situation they're just interchangeable later on there's several of them in the porter cabin of business which is something (laughs) that I love very much indeed Um, oh Eric and his yellow hard hat no I love Eric and his yellow hard hat and Gerald I cannot wait to get on to Gerald but there's a lot going there, I, there's just acres of yearning and longing in this so show so much subtext Sarah there's I so know so much longing and there's so much yeah. of completely sublimated sexual desire it's a, it's in a manila envelope but actually it's my heart Oh, I love that. Right? Oh, God. So then it's Sir Edward and Sir John arriving at Sir Edward's mansion. It is, yes, yeah, so, Sir so Edward, and they, you're pulling up, and it's basically Bride said. Yes. You're putting up to this huge porticoed mansion, 
And the minute you pull up, and also in the car, there's some business stuff about, like, get this chap in charge of planning and in ch- on the, this guy on the council is like, what are you trying to do? Oh, all in good time. All in good time. So it's all double villainy with twirling the moustache. It's beautiful. You, it's you know everything he's, you want. Yeah, he's also, you know he's up to something because he... You the, know he's up to something. the way he says... It's good to be back. Like he's it's clearly good to be back. the subtext is I hate my son. I'm going to fuck him up. No idea why. Just doesn't but we like don't him. know who his son is no. or why he's is why. Yeah, we don't know mm-hmm. that yet. All we know is that the minute they pull up and Norbert Smith gets out with his <laughs> kind of seedy al fresco masturbator pork pie hat on and his <laughs> Mac. And then there's all suddenly there's all these gamekeepers turn up with some really nice dogs. Yeah. And, you know, Sir Edward is clearly a dog lover. So, frankly, he can do no wrong in my eyes. I thought he'd like the dogs. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, nice flat coated retrievers. And uh, and he's basically it's good to be back. Why oh. is it good to be back? Sir Edward, why? What do you intend in this our green and pleasant tarrant? We are going to bring a whole veil of darkness. We just know it. I think you're right. I think couldn't have put it better. So then yeah. we go to the boatyard where Jack and Bill are discussing the long shadow cast. Because I had to use that phrase for a minute. It was so nice. By the catamaran disaster where a yeah. man died on one of Tom's designs. And he was exonerated of all blame, but... It's still casting a shadow over the boatyard, their reputation. I think probably, you know, like in the maritime world, there's a lot of bitching. And, you know, everybody keeps telling us that, you know, Tom Howard is one of the greatest yacht designers ever. Yeah. You know, he's brilliant. And you imagine that there's people going, well, if Tom Howard is fucked, you know, look, we can step over his broken body. Yeah. A body broken by business. And, you know, we can sell our own kind of lacklustre coracles or whatever the fuck they are <laughs> so yeah so there's jack who's you know everything's being cancelled and he didn't bring the boat back did he you bloody fool yeah and i love that there's one particular bit of framing which is just amazing which is an almost completely empty frame just sky and then this old guy's head in the middle of it <laughs> shouting you know oh they haven't cancelled have they <laughs> well yeah that's uh that's why we're having this conversation you sweet old doofus they take is a long time boatyard? yes so this is the interior of the mermaid boatyard which oh, is now now we're going in star of the show now we're going in yeah and this is where so Jack strides in and you can tell that Jack in his time he was a player as well because he wears his leather blouson jacket with a real panache oh yeah he's got oh he's got some style and you can tell it there's there's a kind of really masculine energy to him so he strides in and the fact that the door doesn't bang off the wall and bounce back (laughs) is you know down to some (laughs) self-control in the office he's so potent He's so potent. It's li- he doesn't, you know, it's basically the force of his masculinity opens that door. It does. And in yep. there is Leo, who is, that doesn't happen for him. Doors don't open oh, like that for Leo. I've, I've, I've got a real feeling for Leo. And in fact, later on, when I, um, when I charm you all with my dulcet tones. I can't wait. It is a song about, it is a song about Leo. But Leo is in there and he's. He's trying to defend his dad again. Not that Tom would ever thank him for it or probably even see or hear him. He just, Tom is barely aware that he's there. He's just a kind of a sort of disturbance on the edge of Tom's peripheral vision. That's what his son is for him. Yeah, he's but a desk Leo. ornament. He's one of those 80s desk ornaments with the balls that bang into each other. 
Yeah, he says kind of like make towers of paper and and sort of hope that somebody says thank you to him yeah. one day, but they don't. They and anyway, they he he wants he wants time off so he can go and help his grand move because that's the other thing that he does is he's basically a fact totem for really menial tasks, really menial and the sort of things that he shouldn't be doing. He should be out there. He should be out there getting laid. He should be out there getting... He should be out there taking amphetamines and yeah, things like that. Yeah, he should have gone to university and, 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 and got, got, had a whitey with too many, you know, hash he, Absolutely. He, that's what he should be doing. He should be sort of like cowering in the corner of a of a sofa somewhere just with people kind of saying, like, just drink this and it'll, you'll be fine. Anyway, so that's <laughs> what he's doing. And, and then Jack says to him, what are you trying to hide? What are you trying to hide from me? And Leo... He doesn't really do much of a job of saying, look, it's nothing. He said he just offers up Yachting Today or the Yachting Bugler or the Yachting Gazette. And in it is a damning paragraph. It's not it's not like it's a front page splash, but it's a very damning paragraph. Sometimes that's all it takes, Phelps, one damning paragraph. Well, it's it. Sometimes it is. But, you know, this is will turn out to be a paragraph that has been seen by literally everybody in the maritime world, yeah. in the world of maritime sports and fun. Well, it's the boat in... show as well, which I gather is bitchy than oh, London yeah. Fashion Week. It's it's huge. It's huge. The boat show is everything. Nothing else exists. Yep. So anyway, Jack sees that. And uh, and you can also tell, you know, that because Leo's helping his helping his granny move and Jack's got a sort of, uh, he's, got a, he's got a feeling for Kate, hasn't he? They're both... Yeah. They're both... St- slightly kind of dogged by their various addictions. Uh, I, I quite like that they've got this friendship, which is based it's on... It's like a buddy not, thing. Yeah, it's nice. It's, it is. It, they're not judging each other. They just know what each other's frailties are. Yeah. And it's fine. They're just going to, you know, just keep each other going and hold each other's ends <laughs> up. So that, despite, you know, there's all this toughness from Jack and he's like really kind of brash and... Is that a lady over there? Quite well. <laughs> but it, despite that, you can tell that there's that in there is a kind of there's a, there's something gentlemanly and tender, which is quite sweet. And Kate and then always sees, brings that side out in him. It's really sweet their friendship. Yeah, yeah, which is sort of like Avril probably never brought that side out in him. You can tell that Jack is a kind of guy who he would have wanted a son. He wanted a son. He didn't really. Yeah. Didn't really want a daughter. I think you're right. Does Hang he on. know that Avril and Tom were at it? Oh yeah, absolutely. Their relationship was sort of all out in the open, and I think he sort of he stepped back and sort of let it play out. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So Lee, off Leo goes, yeah. and we're back to one of my favourite scenes, which is Charles Frere pulls up in his chauffeur-driven Ford Granada yeah. into a muddy yard <laughs> Ford <Granada>. to the business. <laughs> To the business porter cabin. Yes, that's right. In a kind of muddy wasteland. It's such a muddy wasteland. It's absolute filth. And there's Gerald sort of skipping over puddles to meet him and trying to do everything to make sure that Charles Frere has a really good day and a really good business life. Always. And into the porter cabin we go. And did you notice what Gerald does with that little pirate ship? He's sort of playing boats, isn't he, in the harbour? There's He's a model of the marina. Boats. Yeah. There's a model of the marina, which is absolutely tiny. <laughs> and you can imagine that it, what Gerald is doing, you know those old sort of films about the Second World War where they go yes. to the... To the sort of situation room, and they like pool cues, and they're sort of and they're sort of pushing boats around on the pool cues, exactly. and you feel that Gerald very much wants to be in a Second World War situation room, <laughs> sort of 
pushing some some U-boats around with a couple Absolutely. of wrens. And he picks it up and he puts it down and he mooches it around. And at one point, Charles Frere sort of takes it off him and slams it down quite angrily. Yeah, it's almost like an irritated but, uh, parent. Like, oh, for goodness sake. Iri- yes, like, why, why are you doing this? But at the same time, this is a lovely bit of business. This yeah. is a lovely bit of actor's business. They've worked this out together to keep themselves going. We're yeah. just going to have a little bit of fun <laughs> with the little boat. We're, and... It's not just going to be about Gerald and about Charles Frere, but the poor guy standing there mouthing absolute inanities about Eric, marinas. Yeah. Eric, Eric. Eric and his yellow hat. Eric, Eric and his Bob the Builder helmet. <laughs> he gets to play with it as well as... Because once they've left, he gets to pick up the little boat <laughs> and put it down where it should always be, yes. which is actually in the harbour. Yes, because Charles put it think, on the land, like a, like a the land lover that he is. He put it on the land like a man who doesn't understand tides. He doesn't <laughs> understand water. He has... There is no salt water. There's no... Pull of the horizon in Charles Frere's veins. No. He's all about the dosh. Business. All, it's business. So anyway, they go out and sort of Gerald Hoppity skipping over all of the puddles and through the mud. And you can tell he wants to get into the car with Charles, but Charles is off for some sort of lunch or something. He, he he's always off somewhere. Like he's that. always off somewhere. But then he says to him, no, you've got to do all these reports and I want I want results. I want results. I don't, you chase these architects. I don't want any more excuses. I just want results. And he heaves off in the Ford Bernarda yeah. and Gerald has to jump aside so that he doesn't get mown down much like Claude <laughs> under the catamaran. Ooh. And you can, but you can see sort of Gerald looking after him. And Gerald, it's like Leo. Gerald just wants someone to say to him, I don't know what I'd do without you. I don't yes. know what I'd do without you. Thank you. But instead, they're just irritations. And also, what now that I know or that I've remembered that Charles Frere was the father of Abby, who has left, and he's been up Polly, he's been with his wife. <laughs> yeah. I'm starting to think about the kind of attraction and the sort of infatuation that Gerald has for Charles Frere, which oh, is... Oh, definitely. You, you're my daughter's father... And I love my daughter and you shagged my wife, admittedly before she, she was my, or maybe after, I don't know, whatever. I think because theirs is a marriage of convenience because Gerald swings a, in all directions. Oh, it's yeah. such a, it's, it's a beautiful beard. It's a beautiful beard. Yeah. I mean, it might be mutual beard, who can say? I, know, I think right? it might be mutual beard. Do you reckon? Yeah, I always wondered that yeah. about Polly. I think she'd just take it wherever she could get it, frankly. <laughs> I, I th- Yeah, I do as well. And also because Polly's addicted to drama. She wants anything that could make her the focal point of talent for scandalous reasons would be absolutely it would be beautiful Agreed. it would it would be lovely yeah so anyway and then poor gerald is sort of left behind he's always left longingly. standing in the mud that's what that's Gerald's he's always and it's basically i mean my next note says yachting magazine has fucked barracuda which it has <laughs> and everybody spends a lot of time talking about how everybody's seen it and even yeah. though they've hidden it Every single person has read this. But anyway. Also, there is, now, a, there is a point in that scene in the yard where they're talking about how the Barracuda might be in trouble now, where you, if you have a bingo card, you can tick off Jack saying, it's not one of your mass-produced plastic jobs, oh, which yeah, is an important I mean. point. You have to, whenever whenever he gets to refer to the fact he prefers wooden boats to plastic, we all cheer, have a drink from whatever beverage you're currently consuming and tick it off your bingo card. Now I wish I was really consuming a beverage. I, know, I really wish too. I had it. All I've, all I've got is some squash. No. Hang on. Here's to you. Here's to you, Jack. Cheers. And your, and your plastic tub. <laughs> So a lovely little sip of squash. So now 
Avril wants Again, to meet them about concerning Relton's distribution of the Barracuda and whether that's going to carry on or not, because it's looking a bit iffy. Everything's looking iffy, especially all people always talking about distribution. There's a lot of distribution chat as well. Later yeah. on, there's distribution chat and um, the couple so talks about distribution. Oh, why? Anyway, can we please talk about sad Leo? Oh, do you know, he only ever is poor Leo. We keep, we called him that a lot the last two series. It fits. If- you know, if the cat fits. And anyway, so he's sitting there at the table. He's looking at a photo of Abby and baby William. Oh, he's sad. He is sad. And he's trying to... And here comes Jan Harvey. Basically. Jan comes in and says, what are you doing? I'm trying to write a letter, but I just can't find the words. And, and he's surrounded said, by he, scrunched up, like... A, scrunched a, up paper. At the letter. Where, where has Abby gone? Is she... Is it, am I imagining it? Has she gone to America? No, you're something? right. She's gone to America and uh, to kind of bring up her son over there with Orin, the millionaire's offshoot that she had the, the baby with. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. OK. But basically, the, the truth of it is she went to get away from Polly. I, I mean, I think, wouldn't you? As far as possible, well, yes. really, yeah. Well, anyway, despite the fact that Leo is so wistful, he, you know, <laughs> he he can't find the words. And anyway, Jan is like, yeah, well, fuck off, because I need this table in an hour's time. Isn't <laughs> <laughs> she a delightful mother sometimes? <laughs> she was basically, oh, dear, like this. And then she's all sort of busy getting her wine open to sort of get the bank manager absolutely ruined. Which she then doesn't serve to him because the following scene with the bank manager, there's no wine on the table at all. It was just, she just wanted Leo out of her way. Again, it's just, get him, come on, move, move, move. So he picks up all his bits of paper and, um, you know, you can tell that Jan, she doesn't really care about Abby or baby William. She's just sort of pretending. And Leo is just sort of sitting on the stairs like, William's crawling. Imagine William crawling. I know. And he sounds... Very, very wistful, which makes me think, did he love Abby or did he just want the baby? Did he want to be a father? Oh, probably did a bit he of both. want well is it though? I mean I think I he know. was he was willing to take them as a package, you know, he was he was happy to You know, he, he wants a role, he wants a reason, he wants to be able to say that he's somebody, not just Lynn's brother or Jan's daughter or Tom's son yeah. Jan's son and Tom's son. He wants to be I am this child's father and I am this woman's partner. Yeah. This, you know, this child, he wants, he wants to kind of measure himself against something which is tangible. Yeah. Because if he makes it the fact that his parents clearly don't think that much of him, if he makes that tangible, it's unbearable. Oh. It's it's too unbearable for him. And anyway, he's sitting there being all wistful and his mum comes out and she goes like, you still miss her? He goes, no, yes, I love it. I absolutely love it when shows do that. No, yes. And then Jan comes out with some of the most fantastic lines I've ever heard in my life. She delivers it so tenderly, but fuck me, it's so insensitive, isn't it? It is cold. It is absolutely ice cold. She's just like, well, you're just going to get over it. Cheer up, darling. You'll get over it. Cheer up, darling. You'll get over it. And anyway, look at me. And then they have a little bit of a thing where he sort of says, well, you haven't got over dad or Ken Martin. He's like, how dare you? And then he goes off to him and says, it's all like weird little boy voice. Oh, sorry. I know. Which made me feel, which made me feel, is that, his, is that what he does? Does In order to make his parents look at him, he has to be the little boy rather than a man. Yeah, because they something. don't treat him like a man, do they? Well, if he says something that is actually on, has a kind of equity with it, with her, which is, well, you're not over dad. You're not over this person. She's like, how dare you? Walks away from him. And in order to make her talk to him, he has to infantilise himself. A, he entirely desexualizes himself. I knew you'd so be good in at this. 
<laughs> so basically, when he's in there and she says, well, you just got to stop moping about. I don't mope about. I get really busy. And this was a bit that absolutely floored me. Look at Lynn. She's not moping about. And Claude, dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, OK. Um, if you want to. Yeah, she doesn't sugar the pill, does she? She doesn't sugar the pill. And it's basically this is when the pool party is mooted. That's right. You've got to go to the pool party tonight. Well, I don't feel like it. Well, you've got to go because Lynn's not sitting around moping and her husband's dead. <laughs> he's in pieces. He is he is a kind of stuff they threw into the sea to attract George. He's <laughs> chum. <laughs> so, His head anyway. is floating around somewhere near Southampton. Yeah. So it, so that basically it's, it's to make Leo do something he doesn't want to do because otherwise he wouldn't have independently gone to a party in the mood he's in. So it does kind no, of get not in the mood the he's in. Yeah. Well, what I mean, I'm quite interested in, though, is a sort of like low level kind of psychotic rage that is churning around in Leo that sooner or later has to come out. Oh, it will. Anyway. And then he will kill again. And- <laughs> then he will kill again. I wouldn't be surprised if he'd been driving the boat that old uh, <laughs> George. You've taken my right. mother away from me. You've <laughs> taken my mother away from me. You've taken my sister away from me. I think Ken Masters needs to watch himself. Uh, he really does. So, that Oedipal thing will come and bite you on the ass, mate. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's where we'll have to leave the glorious Sarah Phelps today, but come back for part two of this chat to hear the rest of her thoughts and, of course, that amazing closing theme song. Television history is contained within the box of delights. It was happening in front of us. Incredible. In our living rooms. It was amazing. Guests pick their favourite television moment and tell us why they love it. And is this the episode where Daisy's just been for the interview at the Woman's Magazine? Flaps. That's it, Flaps. Yeah. Named one of Radio Time's best podcasts of the year. I don't understand people who don't see the joy in drawing the curtains, mug of hot chocolate and something nice on TV. Like, what could be nicer than that? Than having a snuggle. Exactly. Nostalgia in bite-sized chunks. Box of delights from Great Big Owl. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 